Welcome to the podcast of Follow Baptist Church. Our vision and mission is to follow Jesus in our community for His glory. We hope and pray that you are blessed, challenged and inspired by this message. For more information on Follow Church, you can visit our website at www.followchurch.com.au. So Genesis 12. The Lord had said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated, and the people they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan, and they live and they arrived there. Abram travelled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Moreh of Shechem. At that time the Canaanites were in the land. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there he went on towards the hills east of Bethel and pitched his tent, with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. There he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. Then Abram set out and continued towards the Negev. Now there was a famine in the land, and Abram went down to Egypt to live there for a while, because the famine was severe. As he was about to enter Egypt, he said to his wife Sarai, I know what a beautiful woman you are. When the Egyptians see you, they will say, This is his wife. Then they will kill me, but they will let you live. Say you are my sister, so that I will be treated well for your sake, and my life will be spared because of you. When Abram came to Egypt, the Egyptians saw that Sarai was a very beautiful woman. And when Pharaoh's officials saw her, they praised her to Pharaoh, and she was taken into his palace. He treated Abram well for her sake, and Abram acquired sheep and cattle, male and female donkeys, male and female servants, and camels. But the Lord inflicted serious diseases on Pharaoh and his household because of Abram's wife, Sarai. So Pharaoh summoned Abram. What have you done to me? He said, why didn't you tell me he was your wife? She was your wife. That'd be awkward. Why did you say she is my sister so that I took her to be my wife? Now then, here is your wife. Take her and go. Then Pharaoh gave orders about Abram to his men and they sent him on his way and his wife, with his wife and everything he had. Did we get no. All right. the important part? Great. Thank you, Adam. Has anyone ever made you an extraordinary promise? An incredible promise that just seemed really too good to be true? A promise that required you to actually take a step of faith in order to receive this promise, this outrageously unbelievable promise? I wonder how you would respond if that ever happened to you. So we're starting a new series this morning on the life of Abraham, who 
in this chapter was called Abram, but later becomes known as Abraham. Technically, we're, we're resuming a series that we started last year. Last year, we did a series called Beginnings on Genesis chapters 1 to 11, where we looked at the creation of the world and the, the fall and decline of mankind, uh, Noah and the Great Flood, and also the Tower of Babel, where languages were confused and people started to scatter over the whole earth. So we're resuming that series now, looking at the next few chapters, and specifically the life of Abraham. This is a, a, an important, a pivotal moment in the whole scriptural narrative because from now on, we see God's plan start to unfold step by step by step by step as we get down to the New Testament and a guy by the name of Jesus Christ, whom you've probably heard of. So this is the next phase. This is God's plan for humanity being unfolded. As humans, when we hear about a promise that you know seems just a bit far-fetched, a bit too good to be true, we tend to be... A little bit sceptical, don't we? We're a little bit cynical. We're looking for the, reading the fine print, thinking there's got to be a catch here somewhere. Uh, one example would be the creation story earlier in the book of Genesis, where you know God created the world and he, he made a man and then he saw that there was no suitable companion for a man, so God simply decides to, to solve the problem. And he puts Adam to sleep, takes out a rib, makes, uh, creates Eve, and you know they live happily ever after, or at least until the next chapter anyway. See, if a man had written that story, I can guarantee we would have made it a bit more complicated, wouldn't we? A man's version would probably be God made the heavens and the earth and he created man and then he noticed there was no suitable companion for the man, so God came to Adam and he said, look, mate, um, I noticed you need a companion, so I'll do you a deal. I'll make a companion, but it's going to cost you. And Adam said, yeah, okay, tell me more. And God said, mate, I'll make you a companion and she is going to be absolutely incredible she's going to be everything you ever dreamed of she's going to be fantastic to look at and she's going to help you with the work and she's going to listen to your stories and she's going to laugh at your jokes and she is just going to be fantastic and god said and adam said sounds great how much does it cost and god said oh mate it's going to cost you an arm and a leg and adam said well how much do i get for a rib I specify that would be a man's version. I have no idea what the woman's version of the story would be. (laughs) But we tend to make things a lot more complicated uh, than God needs them to be. But God's promises often include an instruction. We see this right throughout the Bible. Uh, Psalm 37, Serve the Lord with gladness, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Matthew chapter 6, Seek first the kingdom of God, and all these other things will be given to you as well. Second Chronicles chapter 7, if my people will humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways, then God says, I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. These are all very wise instructions and great promises that are very, most certainly worth the effort. And so this, in this instruction to Abraham, in this case, the instruction to Abraham before the promise, the instruction was, leave your country and your people, and go to the land I will show you. Notice this is, go to the land I will show you. Abraham could not see where he was going. He did not know for sure. Faith was required. And it's the same for us in our lives. You know, we cannot see, we have no concrete evidence of what God has in store for us in the future. But faith is required. We need to have faith in God's promises. And the story of Abraham can give us confidence in God's promises. And God's promises include, you know, Matthew 28, I will be with you till the end of the age. 
Jeremiah 29, I have plans for you for good and to give you a hope and a future. We can have confidence in God's promises. So God said to Abraham, leave your country and your people and go. And as we see in the next few verses, Abraham obeyed, but not exactly. So God said, leave your country and your people. But Abraham took his nephew Lot with him. And as we'll notice over the next few chapters, having his nephew Lot with him did cause a lot of problems. And yes, the pun was intentional. Hey, um, did you hear about the pastor who deliberately included 10 different puns in his sermon? He was hoping that at least one of them would get a decent laugh. But unfortunately, no pun intended. Anyway, so Abraham obeyed God, but not exactly. I've got a story from my own life of uh, a time when I obeyed God, but not, not exactly. Before I was married, I was living at home with my parents, uh, working full-time, so, you know, I had money in the bank, and, um, you know, life was going good in that, that way. And by the way, if you're single and you're in that situation now, not married yet, working full-time, uh, enjoy that phase of life. Uh, marriage is great, kids are fantastic, but it does have uh, come with a financial cost. So, so you know, so, so save, save up all you can while you're in that phase of life, because that is good. Anyway... I'm getting in trouble today, aren't I? Hey, um, so, I, so one Sunday night after church, I was talking to this, this girl. Now, she, I lived in Ballarat. She was from Melbourne, and she had moved to Ballarat to go to uni. So uh, she was studying full-time, not working at all, uh, had to pay for accommodation. She was on an extremely tight budget, had no, no spare money at all, and she was telling me how her car was playing up. There was something wrong with the car. She was going to have to go to the mechanic to get it fixed, and she didn't know how she was going to pay for it. So she was telling me this, all this, and um, so a few days later during the week I was, I was praying for her, saying, you know, Lord, help her out, help her get her car fixed, provide the money. And almost straight away I felt like God telling me, well, you know, maybe I, I could be the one to help. You know, I had the money in the bank and, and I felt like God t- told me very specifically to send her $42. Now I've got a, I had no issue with helping out, that was fine, but I thought $42, it just seemed a completely random number. I thought I was having a flashback to Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, you know, 42. I thought it was very, very weird, but I was happy to help, so I thought, well, $40 sounds about right. So I didn't want her to know that it was me, so I just got $40, put it in an envelope, wrote her address, put a stamp, sent it off. All good. Didn't even see her for a couple of weeks. And then the next, another Sunday night after church, I, she was there again and she comes up and goes, Dave, I've got my car fixed. And I said, oh, that's great. And she said, yeah, I took it to the mechanic and he fixed it and it's going perfectly now. And the bill was $62 and I didn't know how I was going to pay for it, but my dad gave me $20 and I just had to find $42 somewhere. And I was praying, Lord, please, please help me find $42 somewhere. And then I went to the mailbox and I opened it up and someone sent me $40 and it was great and all I had to do was find another $2. Now, I'm trying to keep a straight face, but in my head, I'm kicking myself. I'm idiot, 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 idiot. Imagine how faith-building, how incredible, how fantastic it would have been for her to pray for $42 and go to the mailbox and find $42. And I could have been God's instrument, but I thought, nah, 42 is a bit weird. I'll just round it off and make it up myself. So I think the moral of the story is when God gives us an instruction... Actually, God knows what he's talking about. So maybe we should actually listen and not... You know, any time we, we change it and add our own opinion or whatever, we are basically settling for something less than God's perfect will. So when God gives instructions, let's trust him and obey the way he says.
In the second half of this chapter that Adam read to us, we saw an example where Adam, where Abraham, not Adam, sorry, mate, where Abraham does things his own way. God had told him to go to this land, I will show you, and God, he went there, and God showed him the land. But then things get a bit tough, and there's a bit of a famine, so Abraham decides for himself, oh, we might go down to Egypt for a while. Notice, God didn't say, go down to Egypt. This is Abraham's idea, Abraham's solution to to the problem. And then halfway down there, he suddenly realises that this bad decision he's made is actually going to cause a whole lot more problems because, you know, he's got this really beautiful wife and Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, has got a bit of a reputation for taking whatever woman he wants. And all of a sudden, Abraham's solution, instead of turning around and going back to the land God called him to, he thinks, no, I'll get my wife to tell a lie on my behalf. You see how complicated life gets as soon as we step out of God's perfect will? So as we can see, as we saw in the story, God still looked after Abraham and Sarah and God you know, manipulates a few circumstances to eventually get them back in the place where they were supposed to be. But the whole episode is, is not a positive one in Abraham's life. Basically kicked out of the country in disgrace. And, uh, yeah. So I think the point for us is not, don't lie, don't try to deceive people, but live a life of integrity and follow God's instructions all the time. Now, with that in mind, you might ask yourself, why was Abraham so special? Why did God pick Abraham to make him this incredible, fantastic promise? Abraham, let's be honest, you know, there's a guy who obeys God but does it his own way and tells his wife to lie and, you know, he's not, he's actually no better than than most of us, right? You might think, why did God choose him to pour out this incredible promise and this incredible blessing? Fair question. In the book of Hebrews, in the New Testament, in chapter 11, there's a chapter, it's called the Hall of Faith chapter. You know, in sporting circles, we have the Hall of Fame, where, you know, high achievers and legends of the sport have their name on, like an honour roll, you know, the Hall of Fame. And this is, chapter, Hebrews chapter 11 is like the Hall of Faith, this list of a whole bunch of people who've been instrumental in God's story, people who have had great faith in God, who've, who've obeyed God, and Abraham features very prominently in that Hall of Faith. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6 says, Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Genesis 15 and Romans 4 both tell us that Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. See, Abraham wasn't perfect, but he had faith in God. He obeyed God, even though he couldn't see the end from the beginning. He didn't had no concrete evidence of what was going to happen, and yet he, God gave him an instruction and he obeyed. He might have messed up on a few of the details, but his faith in God was strong and commendable. God said, go to a land that I will show you, and Abraham went. Bear in mind, this is not like a travel agent where you can go in and look through a brochure and look at some photos and do a bit of research and go, yeah, I can all go there, that looks great. No, this is just Abraham simply, God said, go, and then when you get there, I'll show you. And Abraham's like, okay. So he had great faith. He had to step out of his comfort zone, leave his familiar surroundings, leave his country, leave his family and go to the place that God had called him to. So we should admire Abraham for his faith and for his obedience. And we can learn from Abraham. We should follow his example of faith, but we can also learn from his mistakes. You know, there's an old saying, a wise person learns from their mistakes and a truly wise person learns from other people's mistakes. So we can learn from Abraham. But Abraham was a man of great faith and that is what set him apart and that is why God chose him 
to make this great promise into blessing, not because he was perfect, but because of his extraordinary faith. So the instruction for Abraham was to leave and to go. God's promise to Abraham was multifaceted. He said, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and I will curse those who curse you. All people on earth will be blessed through you. Now, with the benefit of hindsight, having read the rest of the Bible and a few thousand years of history in between, we can ask ourselves, has God kept his promise? The first thing to note that here we are four and a bit thousand years later and the descendants of Abraham are still living in that same bit of land that God gave to Abraham all those years ago. We now know it as the state of Israel and the Jewish people, Abraham's descendants, are still living there to this day. Obviously it's disputed and there's been plenty of trouble but this, this nation that God founded has lasted despite opposition and persecution has, has flourished and continued to this day. We will see over the next few chapters of Genesis how much God blessed Abraham. Abraham, during his life, he accumulated enormous wealth, great respect, a large amount of influence and significance. God truly did bless him and made his name great. When we think about blessing those who bless you and curse those who curse you, you look through history at the the movements and the powers and the civilizations that have deliberately tried to persecute the descendants of Abraham. The Greek, the, the Greek Empire, the Roman Empire, the Spanish Inquisition, the German Nazis, all of them have deliberately targeted and victimised the children of Abraham and all of them have suffered and crumbled and fallen because God has protected Abraham's children. And finally and most, significant, most significantly, God said, I, all nations on earth will be blessed through you. Now we have to ask ourselves, what, what is one thing that all nations have in common. I mean, we are all so different in our, our cultures and our languages and our practices and our beliefs. And what is one thing, one way that you can bless all nations at once? Well, one thing that we all have in common, regardless of, of our geographical background or our, our beliefs or anything, all of us have in common that when we are measured up against God's standards and God's holiness and God's perfection, every single one of us falls short. Every person on earth today and every person who's lived in history, apart from one, we've all fallen short of God's standard. And when we fall short, when we fail to measure up, the Bible calls that sin. And the Bible says that all of us, every single human being, has sinned and fallen short of God's glory. That's what we have in common. And the Bible also says that the wages of sin is death. That means the the results of sin, the consequences of that sin, is death. Not just physical death, but spiritual death. Eternal separation from God. So, without intervention, we are all doomed to an eternity without God, without hope, without comfort, without mercy, without relief, without peace, without fun. An eternity of despair and heartbreak and and pointlessness. Unless someone can intervene on our behalf. Someone can, can put it right and, and pay the price and redeem us for that sin. Unfortunately, as we celebrated last Sunday at Easter, Jesus Christ, a descendant of Abraham, was that saviour. He was that Messiah 
who died to take away the punishment that all of us deserved and he came back to life to conquer death. So truly and definitely and emphatically we can honestly say that all nations on earth have been blessed through Abraham and God has indeed kept his promise in the most fantastic ways. So we can all learn from this chapter. We can and we should believe God's promises. We can act with confidence in response to God's promises. We should follow God's instructions. And we learn from the rest of the chapters, the rest of the story and from history that God keeps his promises. We can know that with absolute certainty. Abraham didn't have a perfect life. He wasn't without blame, without blemish. But God blessed him. God was with him. And the same can be true for you and for me. I asked you right at the start if you had ever had someone make you an, an incredible promise, just a, an outrageously good, good, too good to be true kind of promise, but a promise that dis- required you to take a step of faith, to put your trust in the other person in order to receive it. You know, I actually think that every single human being on earth has to make that decision at some time in our life. We're all faced with that moment. Maybe you've already been there. Maybe you're thinking about it now. One day in the future, you have to decide, will you put your faith in God and his promises? Will you turn away from the life that you would like to live and commit yourself to living the life that God has called you to do? We can't see the reward. We just have to believe that God's word is true. We have to put our faith in God's promises. We need to put our faith in Jesus. And the rewards will be incredible, indescribable, literally out of this world. And we don't have to do anything except to trust and obey. Seems too good to be true, doesn't it? So how do you respond to that moment? Will you put your faith in God? Will you take God at his word? Will you give this life to God and trust his promise for a better eternal life to come? As we close, I want you to imagine with me just for a moment that you are Abraham. You followed God's call. He's taken you to this new land and you're travelling through this land. And you're looking around at the the mountains, the valleys, the the trees, the rivers. You're noticing the the pasture land and the, the livestock. You're seeing the crops and the fertility of this land. And you're just looking around and thinking, wow, God is going to give all of this to me and my descendants. What an amazing, overwhelming feeling that must have been. You must have been walking along saying, thank you, God. This is incredible. I wonder how you would have liked to be Abraham at that time. And then I want to reassure you that the Bible says what is in store for us is even better. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 says, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind can conceive the things that God has prepared for those who love him. So whatever joy and wonder and awe and incredulity and gratitude Abraham must have felt as he journeyed through that land is nothing compared to what you and I can look forward to in the future. So to summarise today, Abraham believed God, so he obeyed God and followed God's call and we should follow his example in doing the same. But also Abraham tried to do things his own way sometimes, so we can learn from that. And my 
My encouragement to you all today, I hope we will all pledge ourselves to live our lives God's way every step and every day. Amen. Let's all close in prayer. Well, before the worship team, let's pray. Father God, we just want to say thank you for the life of Abraham. Help us all to follow his example of great faith, stepping out in obedience to you. Help us all learn to put our complete trust in you every hour of every day. Guide us and bless us as we serve you. In Jesus' name, amen.